Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Our text uh, for today is taken from Philippians, Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 5 to 11. If you want to, uh, if you're taking notes and you want to give the the, the sermon, if you call it, um, a topic, Jesus the Lord. Jesus the Lord. So Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Have the same this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. I'm reading from Amplified. Who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of the deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a born servant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father and to the point of death, even death on the cross. And the key verse um, for today to emphasize on, for this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. Amen, amen, amen. Essentially, um, the, the, the text from Philippians, a combination of um, letters um, that Paul and, um, and I believe Timothy wrote to the church in Philippi, if I can call it Philippi, Philippi, um, to, the, to the church um, in, in that community, a very generous church, and um, writing to them and introducing um, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, from this very poetic 
uh, perspective and justifying why Jesus is Lord. So I start the, the maybe the, the, the conversation today by thinking about the term Lord. We use it quite a lot. We say Jesus is Lord. We also say our Lord Jesus. We say it in our prayer. We even say it in the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the Lordship element is almost not separatable uh, when you think about the name of Jesus. And essentially today we're just drilling down into that Lordship of Jesus Christ. I, I really do pray that you are blessed as much as I have been over the last five to six weeks going through and studying this um, in Jesus' name. So like I, like I just mentioned, I want to put a, a little bit of a disclaimer, some of the things that will come out. They are still a bit raw even for me. And I, I've had some time to process it, but I want to encourage you that, um, you know, they are from the scriptures and they are definitely um, for, for people um, to receive especially believers especially believers and um uh, like i said i really do pray that god blesses you so who is a lord who is a lord when we think about the relationship god had or has with the children of israel especially during the time of moses one of the first set of instructions god gave to the children of israel through moses was a clear instruction around who to serve who to worship and i mean the first three commandments was kind of wrapped into one i am the lord thy god no other gods before me no graven images or likeness it was kind of all wrapped into this is really important don't mess about with it i am the lord thy god and when i when i started looking at this one of the first things that came to my mind was the fact that a Lord is very different from a boss. I don't know if you, you know, for people on LinkedIn, you see this um, thing that people put on LinkedIn, uh, a boss and a leader. What's the difference between a boss and a leader? A boss is definitely not like what a Lord is. A boss, like a manager, is in charge of a team or a whole organization. A boss has a scope or they have limits to their reach. You know, if I have a boss, I'm not enjoying what they're telling me, I can resign. I can even put in my resignation letter, it's not you, it's me. I'm going. The reach of the boss has a limit. There's, there's, a, there's a limit to the, to, the, to the rulership, if you can call it that that a boss can ever have on you, on your time, on anything about you. So a Lord is one who has authority, control or power over others, acting as a master, a chief or a ruler. So a Lord is one who has authority, control or power over others, acting as a master, a chief or a ruler. Also, one of the things we have to be mindful of is that a Lord is also very different from a leader. When we think about a leader, we think about somebody who is able to influence, 
and, uh, and inspire others to do well and to make the best of themselves. You know, we think about leadership and leaders and how they are able to motivate people. But a Lord is different from a leader. Now, there is no doubt that even in the secular world, Jesus is used as a great example of servant's leadership. Like the highest level of leadership example when it comes to perfection of demonstrating servant leadership. But we should not fall into the trap of confusing that to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. And when you think about the text we read in Philippians 2, this, the, um, verse 6, where it says, Though he was God, he did not think equality with God. There was a point that the, the letter was emphasizing that, yes, Jesus came as man, demonstrated perfectly what a lordship relationship would look like in a man. So Jesus as a man, God the Father as Lord, Jesus demonstrated what a lordship relationship would look like. Jesus as a servant leader demonstrated what a man who is a perfect leader should be. However, like I mentioned, we should not confuse the fact that Jesus as a man was a good leader to the fact that Jesus is Lord. In Philippians 2, again, the text that we read, it emphasized that God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. One of the things I like about the, the, about the Bible is when the Bible uses things like never, no, or every. So in this text it says, every knee will bow and every tongue. When you think about this, it means that there is a point coming in the future. Whether you accept Jesus as Lord or not. Whether you believe Jesus as Lord or not, there will be a point where every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And that verse actually captures the essence of the person of Jesus Christ as Lord and how highly exalted he is. And I'm hoping that with this text, I've been able to really emphasize the person of Jesus Christ as Lord, not as a leader. Yes, he led the disciples, he demonstrated servant leadership, definitely not as a boss, but as Lord. Now, another thing to think about is that the lordship element of Jesus Christ was at the very heart of Jesus' redemptive work on the cross. Romans 14.9, Romans 14.9 says, Jesus Christ died and lived again for this reason, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Jesus Christ died and lived again for this reason, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So having the understanding, and I'm, I'm hoping you agree with me, Jesus is Lord, 
Why do we need Jesus the Lord as a believer, as somebody who doesn't believe yet? Why do we need Jesus the Lord? There's so many reasons. I've just captured a couple here. The first one I have down is we are always in service and no one can serve two masters. We need Jesus the Lord because we are always in service and no one can serve two masters. Man by nature has no ability to be lordless. We do the way we are created does not give us the flexibility to not have a Lord. At any point in time, you are some, well, something or someone is your Lord. Whether you know it or not, whether you agree or you don't agree, at any point in time, someone or something is your Lord. We have a group of people who even think that they are their own Lord. A practical example of this is maybe people that may just believe that, you know, YOLO, the YOLO lifestyle or I don't know what work actually means. There's so many definitions of work. But people that believe that they are their own Lord. Um, I, I, I think pastors use the example of, you know, when, when, when the devil is trying to really, really, uh, how can I say now, blindside some people to, to, to hurt them, is for them to believe that there's nothing going on, that they are actually really in a good place. And, and that could be likened to somebody who believes that they are their own Lord. How can you know if you are edging into this group of people? For example, if no one can talk sense to you, you should actually examine yourself to know whether you're not feeling like your own Lord. I, as I was just preparing for this, I strongly believe that as a believer, you have to have, you, you have, to have a couple of people that can tell you to calm down, to slow down, to wait, to stop. Or somebody that can boldly tell you that is wrong in a way that does not cause you to rebel, to revolt, that actually has the ability to make you sober and examine yourself. If there's nobody and no one around you serving that purpose or you struggle to be able to hear, you might be your own Lord in some aspects of your life. Jesus was breaking this down to people. He used the concept of mammon, mammon, money. In, in Matthew 6, 24, when he said, no one can serve two masters. So, if you think about that in the context of man really does not have the ability to be lordless. Jesus did not say, no one can serve no one. He said, no one can serve two masters. You either you will hate one or love the other. And he said, you cannot serve both God and money. I was listening to a question and answer session talking about God and money. And they said, it's very interesting that text didn't say you cannot serve both God and the devil. 
he said you cannot serve both God and money. That tells you that when you think about even the instruction in Exodus, the devil was the was the maybe not on the high ranking things or beings that God was concerned about for the children of Israel. It was the other things that they could put their affection on or their priorities on before God. And if you think about the children of Israel, a lot of the challenges they have or they had in their walk or in their journey was around those three commandments. Graven image, don't serve any other God apart from me and I am your Lord, your God. That, that Essentially, a lot of their issues, even from when they got to the promised land and they went to exile, it was always around worshipping other gods. And Jesus was emphasizing this using the example of you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and so many other things you can fill in the blanks for yourself. No one can serve two masters. Another reason why we need Jesus the Lord is because he is the best Lord. If there was a list of Lords to have in our eternity, Jesus is the best Lord to have. Now, not only do mankind need a Lord, it is to our benefit to have the right Lord or if you say the best Lord. So, if you think about the text we read in, in Philippians, essentially what we're saying is Jesus came from heaven to earth, literally shrunk himself, if I can say that, to the measure of a womb, to be born in a small town village, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, an atoning sacrificial death. He was buried in a tomb. He was raised victoriously and ascended into heaven to occupy his throne in glory where God exalted him. There is nobody else in, the, in, in existence ever that has this legendary story. So put it in context. People can be raised from the dead. Jesus did it. His disciples did it. What is unique about the resurrection of Jesus is that all of the other people that were raised to death, they will live and then they will still die. When Jesus, you know, was resurrected, he was resurrected. He is alive. Jesus is alive. He's not like all the other man that men that were resurrected, like Lazarus, for example, and he still died. Only to be risen again with um, other believers. But for Jesus, it is a unique position. And because of also this reason, no other Lord solves man's sin problem and gives eternal life. So even if all of the lords of mankind, anything that could be a lord, were doing competition, Jesus still wins. Because only Jesus 
solves man's sin problem and replaces that sin problem with eternal life. No other Lord can save or deliver from sin. No other Lord has the position of Lord over any other Lords. We call him Lord of Lords. So no matter what your title is, no matter what somebody else has used as their Lord, Jesus still sits above that. So if I was in the market searching for Lords, do I want to pick a Lord that is Lord over all Lords or do I just want to pick a Lord that somebody else is their Lord? It's, it's a simple match. So why do we need Jesus? As the Lord, he is the best Lord. He is the best Lord. He solves every challenge that mankind has. He is the Lord over everything, everyone, and everything is subjected to him. Why is he the best Lord? He is good and he is faithful. You know, some Lords can disappoint. Some Lords can let you down. Jesus is good and he is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1 30 says, But it is from him, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation, righteousness, making us acceptable to God sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart for God, redemption, providing our ransom from the penalty for sin. Every single need of mankind is woven in the person of Jesus Christ and his finished work. That is why he is the best Lord. What other reason did I have down? Why do we need Jesus the Lord? The third reason I have down is to avoid costly mistakes. Third reason why do we need Jesus the Lord? To avoid costly mistakes. Um, over the last two, three weeks, um, for, the, for the sermons we've heard, we heard about Zerubbabel and we learned about not relying on our own strength or our resources. Then we learned about, you know, really thinking carefully about the future. And last week we talked about, you know, the same way God has forgiven all of our errors, we should bury our past and we should address any issues of the past. The reality though is that as a believer, even as a believer, if I can say that, our current actions is creating the past. So every single day, even though the past we had, we have addressed and, you know, script, you know, we believe there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If somebody is in Christ, they're a new creature, all things are passed away. There's everything about those scriptures is perfect and true. In addition to that, though, is even as believers, day to day, we are creating a past by all of our present actions. And one of the reasons why we need a Lord, a big reason why we need a Lord 
is to avoid costly mistakes. I call them destiny impacting mistakes. There are some mistakes that you can make in life and it's like a blip. It's almost like it never happened. But there are destiny impacting mistakes. If, and if you remember the story that Pastor told us about the guy that, you know, in all, you know, it was essentially an okay guy until he was dragged into doing something that he has not done before, which was a crime. He did it once and he got caught. That's a destiny impacting mistake. His journey life, his, his path in life, you know, took a, a good traction just from that decision. And that's one of the reasons we need a Lord. Now, I want to drag, digress just for a little bit to, to really make this point. We believe that God is our Father. I believe that. I know you believe that. And, you know, when PK came and he was teaching us, uh, you know, a few months ago, he said the, the position or the, the perspective that God looks at us first is from a position of love. No matter what, the way God looks at us as believers is from even as mankind is from a position of love. As a believer, my child, as an unbeliever, that could be my that's my child coming in. You know, I've I've made provision for this person's salvation. So we're not taking that away at all. And God stays loving us. However, when we make mistakes. God still stays loving us. He, you know, he doesn't stop loving us because we make mistakes. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we don't experience the consequences of those mistakes. The analogy that, that came to my mind as I was thinking about this is, as believers, we believe that we are soldiers of Christ. So I want to use a military example. If there was a rookie, He's been trained and he goes to war. And they said, oh, that particular area, there are landmines, don't go there. And this rookie go, oh, I'm like Rambo, I can do it. If you know what Rambo is. But anyway, I'm like Rambo, I can do it. Goes to where the landmine is and gets some, de detonates or detonates a, a landmine and loses both legs. Now, when you think about that, you know, just from a believer's concept, goes to the hospital with no limbs, God the Father looks and says, oh, what have you done, my son? You have no limbs. I will still weave a beautiful story from this. Now, you become a lecturer to all the new rookies and tell them how not to do that. But that's love. That's God. But that did not need to be that person's story if they listened to that instruction. So my point is, the relationship of God the Father with us in relation to how he cares for us, how he loves us as a father is consistent. However, the decisions we make in terms of being under the Lordship of God has consequences that we experience those consequences. 
And it does not stop God loving us. It doesn't mean God loves, you know, it doesn't mean that because that person is limbless, God loves them less. And God will still weave a beautiful story from it. But that did not need to have been that person's story. I'm hoping that makes um, that makes sense because I, I, it's so important as believers that we don't confuse the fact that God loves us with the fact that we have a responsibility to have a lordship relationship. And when you think about a lordship relationship, it's a relationship of a lord or a master and a servant. There's an element of being a child of God. There's an element of being a servant of God. And God, like I said, will weave a beautiful story from any experience. He, he, he is gracious that way. But there are some mistakes that he would have preferred us not to make. But he does not jump into our will to stop us from making those mistakes. Now, I say all of that to say that or to repeat the point that we are creating a past by our present actions. And the reality is that even believers can still do some things to themselves that are not pleasant. Even believers can offend or hurt other believers. And that's where wisdom and lordship comes in. When you think about the fact that our will is so key to the Lordship relationship. I put my point number four of why we need Jesus the Lord as because we need to deal with flesh, self, and will. Flesh, self, and will. To continue the point I made earlier about the father versus lord, it's not versus but father relationship, lordship relationship, is that Jesus is lord and is savior. So Jesus is lord, he is also savior. Now, the thing for us as believers, and I, I promise you as I'm saying this, I'm probably preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you is that the savior part of our relationship cannot be so loud that the lordship part of our relationship is silent. The lordship part of our relationship, yes, Jesus saved me, I'm saved, I'm saved. Jesus is also my lord. Jesus is also my lord. Do we say that with as much enthusiasm as we say, Jesus is my savior? I feel like there should be a balance there and there definitely needs to be a balance there to ensure that we are not subject to the effect of self, our will, and, and, and uh, self. And one of the comments that comes out of getting the balance right is, oh yes, I want to believe in Jesus, but I don't want to lose myself. You know, but Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened. And it says, I will give you rest. It then says in 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Essentially, Jesus is asking for an exchange. He says, 
I've got stuff that I want to do and I want to do through you. You take that. And then you've got your baggage. We all have ours. And it says, I'll take your baggage. You do the things that I want to do through you. Make my priority your priority. And I'll take those things from you. Those things that are weighing you down, I will take it from you. So, you know, the things that we call, you know, my, yeah, my anxiety, my temper issue, my marital issues, or the headache maybe my children wants to attempt to give me, or my career, or the fact I'm looking for a job, all of that, whatever it is, it says, come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened whether by religious rituals that provide no peace or by anything else. It says, come to me, I will give you rest. But the, the challenge we have is that we prefer to do what pleases us, even as believers. And, and the Bible says that there's a way that seems right and the end is destruction. And the, the story that comes to my mind when I think about the fact that we always prefer to do what pleases us is, I always remember Jonah, and I think we give Jonah uh, a lot of stake, if I can say that sometimes. But, but every time I think about Jonah, I just think about how contradictory the direction God asked him to go and the direction he decided to go before he got swallowed by a fish. You know, it's like God asking you to go to, I don't know, I'll use an auto example, Kanata, and then you, you're on your way to Orleans. It's like you could not be so far away from what God was asking you to do. And one of the reasons for that is we feel like we have rights. We feel like, you know, it is hard for us to relinquish that, that rights that we have. And... You know, there's the feeling like if, I, if I'm a human being and God's given me a will, it feels unfair that I have to let go of that will. And we have this feeling that we are maybe morally or legally entitled to, to, to our rights. But the, the challenge is that in order to, ser to serve Christ more effectively, and if you think about the life of Apostle Paul, there's a choice to make not to insist on the rights and privileges that we seem to have. You know, yes, Jesus set us free. But we should think, for what purpose? He didn't set us free to just be running riots. Like the rookie that is just going to everywhere landmines. He didn't set us free for that. He set us free for his, for his purpose for his good pleasure. Now, when you think about also the fact that we prefer to do what pleases us, it also links to the things that we hold on to. For example, a lot of the things that we're talking about this morning is quite piercing, but the scriptures also got us ready for that. He said in 2 Timothy 4.3, said, For a time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction. Wanting to have their hairs tickled, um, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to satisfy their own desires to support the errors they hold. That, that scripture challenges me because there are some things that when I read in the Bible, I sometimes wish the Bible didn't say that. 
because of the way it pierces i don't know if you know you can signify in the chat if anyone else is like that where there's a way the bible hits you that you just be like oh that is and that is what the scripture is supposed to do you know you we have the promises of god in this in the scriptures but when god chastises us is also through his word and there has to be element of the scriptures that challenges us to grow uh, and and to hear the things that we may not necessarily want to hear our opinions and emotions cannot form our theology you know uh, i don't feel like it's fair that as a christian i can't do this yeah okay maybe I, I agree with you but what does the bible say because as christians we don't go on feelings we go on what the word of god says so when you find that your opinion or emotions is formed you know we say things like i i feel like you know when we're saying that we should not we should try and avoid that linking to our theology or what we hold as true because emotions do fluctuate. So as a believer, our opinions and emotions cannot form our theology because that links to flesh, it links to self, it links to our will. And this is one of the reasons why we need a lordship relationship with Jesus. How do I strengthen the Lordship relationship? So this is for all of us now. In a way, what, what do I need to consider if I want to strengthen the Lordship relationship with Jesus Christ? If I don't want the Lordship side of my relationship to be silent, you know, I don't want to say I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, but I'm not comfortable saying Jesus is my Lord. What are the steps to take? I've, I've kind of, this is kind of done as like big headers. The first one I have is you've got to be a believer. Everything we've been talking about today is strongly for a believer, a believer who wants to continue to follow Christ. So if you have not accepted Jesus as your savior, the Lordship relationship is not on the table. Because there's got to be a life to surrender. You've got to be able to surrender and say, this life is not my own, it's yours. And I'm accepting Jesus as my savior. I'm believing that Jesus in his redemptive work paid for my, for, for my sin and has given me eternal life. That's the first step. You know, you want to have a lordship relationship or strengthen a lordship relationship with Jesus Christ. The first is you've got to be a believer. And I want to encourage you, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, this is an opportunity to do that. And the reality is that we do not make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. What we are actually doing is we are surrendering our life to his sovereign rule and ownership. Jesus is Lord. Whether you, <laughs> whether you, whether you accept his lordship or not, he is Lord. And the, the, the sooner you recognize that he is Lord, and it's not just Lord, he's Lord of Lords. No matter what else you choose as your Lord, Jesus supersedes it. So, be a believer. 
The second point here, how do I strengthen this Lordship relationship, is keep on believing. Um, a lot over the years, I you know I I tie the gospel, I tie the gospel into, oh, if somebody has not believed in Jesus, they've not accepted Jesus as their savior, just as I've just said now, oh, you know they accept Jesus as their savior and the gospel, but I've come to realize that for you to be able to stand in faith. And to grow in God, you have got to be listening and hearing the gospel every single time. The gospel is for every day. It's not just for altar calls. You've got to, it's something that you've got to keep holding on to the truth of the gospel. Jesus died for my sins. I am no longer condemned. I have eternal life. Because there are instances in our lives that can make us forget or we have a lapse in judgment on Christ's redemptive work for our lives. And we've got to hold on to that gospel. If you, if you remember the story in Numbers where there, there were serpents biting people and, and Moses had the instruction that the, 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 the Israelites had to look up. As a believer, we've got to look up. We, there's no looking down. There's no looking sideways. We've got to just focus on Jesus and, and what Jesus has done for us every single time. There's nothing like, oh, I believe in Jesus as my Lord, personal and Savior. Now let's go and grow. We grow on that truth. We continue to stay on that truth for our growth. Every time there's a lapse in judgment on Christ's redemptive work, it affects our faith. You want to build your faith? Hold on to what Jesus has done for you. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. The grace to respond to Lordship is in the truth of the gospel. If you, if you believe the gospel, you, you may not struggle as much on the Lordship element. When I say if you believe the gospel, that's if you have the full truth of the gospel. Not like, oh, Jesus can bless me with a Ferrari, so they said I should come to him, and that's why I'm saved. That, that is not the gospel. And pastor says this, you know, to us all the time. You, you, you have the full truth of the gospel, the lordship relationship will be strengthened. The final one is quite a, the final one of increasing or strengthening our lordship relationship, I put it as stay dead. Stay dead. Surrendering is hard. Surrendering is hard. But I want, you to, I want to give you an analogy. If you think about the abattoir where they slaughter animals, there is an element of surrender. Surrendering, though, only gets you to accepting Jesus as your Savior. When it comes to Lordship, there's a death element that needs to happen. I'll give you, uh, maybe I'll make the point another way. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of what a preacher said that it, it struck me in a way that was not comfortable. He said that, <clears throat> We always think that our design 
is the best for our lives. Think about that. We always think that our design is the best for our lives. So in other, in other words, as a believer, sometimes you feel like you're living a life of compromise because Jesus is your Lord. And I think there's, a, there's an element of pride in that because in reality, a life outside of the purpose of God is actually a short-changed life. I'll give you an analogy. Let's say you're a scientist. No offense to scientists. That's what I could think of. And you move to Ottawa last month. You have zero expertise in real estate. Zero. But you need a house. You have the money. You need a house. Please follow me here. But you know a real estate expert who knows Ottawa very, very well. They know the best area to build. They know what type of build and interior decoration that makes the house perfect for you. They know that whatever they can build for you will appreciate in price. They also know what the market will be like in the future when you want to sell. Now imagine your first meeting with him. You bring out your scientist pen. You bring out a paper and you draw a house and say, build this for me. This is the house. You can see how that looks. And that's essentially sometimes how we do. We, we craft a plan and say, plus Jesus. And that's not, that is not how God intended it. It says, so, so I'll give you another example. Well, not an example. It says, we always think that we can carry our our plans out better. We always think we carry it better. So, Toby, I'll use my example. So, Toby without Christ, disaster. That's not, not good. Toby with Christ is actually a little bit short change because that's like Toby's plans, Toby's priorities, plus Jesus. But the intention of, of, of the Father is Christ in Toby. That is the intention. So Christ is driving the agenda. Christ is in the driver's seat. Not my plans, not my priority, not my agenda. So that's why Philippians 2, Philippians 2, the next verses after our main text says, continue to work out your salvation that is cultivated, bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual mat maturity with all inspired fear and trembling. And then 13 goes, for it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. And in Amplified, it says, that is strengthening and energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. So, think about it as a believer. When it's like you plus Jesus, it's not bad, but it is shortchanged. It's Jesus, it's Christ in you. The driver said that. No matter how you craft the plan for your life, this is kind of heartbreaking for, for us sometimes to accept. No matter how you plan your life, no matter how, 
it cannot be close to the design that God intended for your purpose, for your destiny. And that is why Christ needs to be at the driver's seat. If Christ is at the driver's seat, it's on him. As pastor said, it's on him. If he's at the driver's seat, if he's the Lord and I'm the servant, it's on him. And it means that the way I do my priorities is based on the agenda of the Father. I want to leave us with this as I conclude. Matthew 16, 24. So thinking about the stay dead. Stay dead. Surrendering, you get you to the table. Staying dead means... Matthew 16, 24 goes, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. I had, there's a teaching I had on this chapter that just broke me in so many different ways because the, the person teaching said, bring all of the versions, read it in the message, read it in the amplifier. And as you were reading it, it wasn't getting any easier to accept. But it simply says, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest. Another version of the text says, if you want to be my follower, you must stop thinking about yourself and what you want. Imagine that as a believer, you must stop thinking about yourself and what you want. Which is like God has not freed us only for ourselves. And if that is what we think, then we've missed the point. Because he said, if you want to be my follower, you must deny yourself. So if you imagine it, deny yourself is is a total different ballgame from surrender. Deny yourself means Toby doesn't exist outside of the purpose of God for his life. And that is, that is, it's definitely an aspiration. I, I'm, I, personally, I'm not there yet. But the, 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 the essence of the Lordship relationship is this, that the agenda of the kingdom, it can be carried out in you as a believer setting aside and denying your priority so what is your priority is found in what the priority of Christ is in you for Jesus to be lord of your life it means he is the ruler he is the master of your whole life he cannot be lord of a part he must be given control of the entire life and i really pray i pray that god will help us and give us the grace to be able to genuinely hand over every aspect of our lives to him in the name of jesus as i was preparing for this there's something that was impressed on me um, just totally random it says that and maybe i'll start with this one of the practical ways you would know where the Lord, where your Lordship relationship is, is by two things. What you are praying about. 
what you are praying about will be clear to you. And pastor says it. What you're praying about will tell you what your priorities are. What you are not praying about will also and could also tell you what you are self-reliant about. You know, there are some things we don't pray about because we know that it's settled with God. That's still in the hands of God. I understand that. But what I'm talking about is the things we don't pray about because we believe we've got this. When you assess what you pray about and what you don't pray about, you can start understanding where you are in that lordship relationship and as i was as that came to my mind and i was typing it down something came another thing just was impressed in my heart to share that that you there's probably not probably there's a particular person you are dating someone but there's there's a line in your mind it's the line is just you will manage him for covid and after covid you've got your own plans and because that is your intention you have shut off the whole relationship and marital department of your prayer life. You're not praying about your, your future marriage. You're not praying about your marriage or like your future marital life. You're not praying about that. And you've reduced how much you pray about like your relationships and your marriage in the future. Um, I want to encourage you, hand it all back. If you can have the confidence to pray about it, you have the clarity that you need and I pray that God will help you in the name of Jesus. Um, I finalize with saying that when the Lordship of Jesus is settled in a believer's life, all other issues are settled. When Jesus is the Lord of a person's life, fulfilling your duties, obligations and responsibilities will come with joy. We have a goal. It is a laser-focused goal. We don't exist outside of this goal. God wants his followers to share the good news of salvation and forgiveness of sins through, the faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a laser-focused goal. It's the agenda for the kingdom. And for us as believers, our, our thinking should be when it is not about me, I can see kingdom opportunities and kingdom agenda. And I pray that God will open our eyes to this even more than we've discussed this, mon this morning in Jesus' name. The measure of greatness in the eyes of the Father is a function of the service to the kingdom. And when we think about the dominion we can have in life, when we think about the influence and the impact we can have in life, it has a correlation with the extent that Jesus is Lord over our life. I say that again, maybe in another mathematical way. The more Jesus is Lord over your life, the more dominion and influence you have in life. And I pray that God will help us in Jesus' name. As I wrap up, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, if you are not a believer, I encourage you today, don't make it, uh, don't delay the decision 
to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. It is the best decision you will ever make in your life. It does not only affect your life now, it affects your eternity. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.